Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. I have a tremendously special guest with me again today. Again, <laughs> after Dave Smith, how could I follow it up with anyone less than the Liberty Doll? Hello, Miss Doll. Oh, I don't think I'm as cool as Dave Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I'm as cool as him either, but he's been, he's been pushing me hard recently, so um, I had to follow it up with someone else that people would be clamoring for, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Little totally. old me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I have a funny story for you, actually, before we get started. I, I went to a, a Tom Woods speaking event up in Orange County about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And there was a girl that looked, I mean, she had your hair. She had a flower behind her ear, like the whole the whole nine. And I, I had just DM'd you asking you if you wanted to come on. And we were like kind of going back and forth. And I was like, oh, this is my opportunity to meet her. I'm going to walk up to her and say hi. Her boyfriend's <laughs> like like sheltering her. And, and I walk up and I, I tap homeboy on his back and I'm like, Hey man, could I talk to your girl for a second? And he's like, yeah, sure. You weirdo. And then, <laughs> I, and then she, she turns around and I look at her up close and I'm like, Holy shit, it's not her. <laughs> <laughs> so then I have to spend like five minutes explaining why I'm not just a psychopath. And it was very awkward. Anyways, <laughs> nice to finally meet you. <laughs> <Hooray>. <laughs> well, um, I've been, I've been really harping on, uh, the pessimistic side of things, uh, as of late. And I think there's plenty of reason to be pessimistic. So I wanted to start off by asking what, what is it that keeps you optimistic in the face of all this gloom and doom? Oh no, that's a terrible starting question. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's why I go, I go, I go hard up front. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, what keeps me optimistic? Um, that depends on the day. <laughs> you and me both. Um, it's a lot easier to be optimistic, I will say, now that I live in the South. Um, until September, I lived in the horrible, hard left, radical left bubble of Massachusetts. Mm. And uh, once I left there, I was like, oh, wow, there's like a real world outside. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's... it's uh, opened my eyes a little bit on certain issues like so for example you know if you live in um, Massachusetts or I'm guessing California because you said Orange County um, there's sort of this idea that every leftist and liberal automatically hates guns and wants to take away all your freedoms and your guns and all your rights but here like even the liberals carry guns oh I like that (laughs) so I'm like oh okay okay so maybe maybe we're not standing on like the precipice and about to careen off the cliff into pure authoritarianism Um, and, you know, end up in, I was going to say end up in 1984, but we kind of already are. So yeah, um, maybe we won't Korean off the cliff and end up in like North Korea or something. Yeah. Or Venezuela (laughs) is my more recent fear. Um, Right. Why is it, do you think that there aren't more leftists that are are vocally opposed to the push to, to end 2A? Are they just being cowed? Are they just afraid to speak up? Because I know there are leftists that are heavy gun advocates, but I don't, I don't hear them talk much. Um, well, I think that I think that a big part of it is that, for what it's worth, the left has at this point won the culture war. We have been in a culture war for quite some time. And even myself doing what I do when I lived in Massachusetts, there was a lot of issues that I wouldn't talk about because it could potentially, if it got out and that was associated with my name and my face, Um, it could ruin my business. And at the time I was also a full-time mental health therapist, which is a very uh, (laughs) liberal field. And actually when I did start to speak up about some issues, I got doxxed in Mm. June and people were emailing my, my business through spoofed emails and all of this craziness. And it was really freaky and really scary. And I think that there is, even through my experience alone, being in Massachusetts, this, um, perception 
that if you're going to be part of the left or part of the bigger culture, you have to abide by these certain tenets that mm -hmm. they espouse. And that gets repeated and promulgated constantly through corporate media, through pop culture. I mean, just at, you know, the big controversy today is what happened at the Grammys, right? Um, so I think that there is this sort of perception that if they do speak out, they'll be shunned or worse, canceled. And I think that unfortunately there, there is some reality to mm -hmm. that. And I think that that might be a big reason. Um, I mean, it could also just be the nature of the fact that <laughs> if you have a life and just don't live your life sitting in front of like CNN or ABC or any of these corporatist outlets, um, you, you might not be privy to the kinds of things that they're saying. And you might have no idea that any of these issues are even going on. True. Yeah. I mean, that, that just goes to show how unbelievably pointless 95% of the arguments that we're in are, you know, <laughs> daily. Um, but it's a, it's a really real fear. I mean, uh, and, and I feel for people that are in, uh, you know, positions of employment where they can't speak out. I mean, I would imagine as a therapist, you have to definitely hide your political leanings in that field. Did, I mean, for the most part, you're not going to talk with clients probably about politics anyways, but no, it it's, it's actually sort of, I don't want to say strictly forbidden, but, um, there is, an ethical standard where you're supposed to have a stance of non-judgment and not impose your beliefs or morals or philosophies on your clients. Um, well, then I have a terrible that <laughs> does not necessarily happen in practice. I was going to say <laughs> at all. Um, but it, it was a struggle because I had clients that, you know, were flat out and comms which is like the antithesis of you and me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they would sit there in my office that I rented in my business that I owned, that I was a sole proprietor of and talk about how all business owners were evil capitalists that deserved to have everything stripped away from them and then oh be God. shot. And I, and, and I would sit there and every once in a while, something would come out and I'd be like, you realize this is a business, right? <laughs> and I own this business. You realize I'm an I entrepreneur, mean, right? <laughs> you know, people talking about how anyone who didn't vote for Hillary Clinton deserved to be shot. Um, horrible things, you know. Wow. COVID, when COVID came out, my God. Today was actually the one-year anniversary, I believe, of two weeks to flatten the curve in Massachusetts. And yep. they're just starting to reopen some things now. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm in San Diego. Um, I feel you. Believe yeah. Me. And, and, you know, I'd be sitting there and people, um, even over, I had to do virtual sessions at that point would be like, Oh man, you know, this, I saw this person at the grocery store, not wearing a mask. And there was a rule that if you had a medical condition, you could be excused from wearing a mask by your doctor. And, and, you know, these people would be like, Oh my God, if I see the next person I see not wearing a mask, I'm going to run up and I'm going to just punch them in the face until they're knocked out. And I'd be like, well, what if they have a medical condition? And they'd be like, they don't, I can look. <laughs> at them and i can tell These people it's are like so you crazy. are coming to see me over a mental health issue that <laughs> theoretically no one else can see though you're kind of making it a little obvious right now if you go punching strangers because they're not wearing masks i think that you don't need a diagnosis i think it's, <laughs> it's for everyone to see wow. right well that's that's incredible so well, I mean, how did you handle it when when you had clients that were saying that you should be shot essentially for being an entrepreneur very quietly. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you allowed to fire a client for having an opinion that's so reprehensible that you can't even like control yourself? Uh, I'm just um, curious. Not fire a client. Not but, you know. really. Okay. Um, that would be a situation where they would say that you need to seek supervision to figure out why you're having such a strong reaction to their opinions. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> really, you can only you can only quote unquote fire a client if um, whatever they present with is beyond your scope of practice. 
Well, I would say that ANCOMs are beyond my scope of practice. So you're a, be <laughs> you're a better person than I. Um, so uh, obviously you moved. Was it, was it largely because of, you know, the uh, tyrannical lockdown laws, wherever oh, you were at prior? Uh, well, so we had been wanting to move for quite some time, actually. And uh, my husband and I actually honeymooned here in South Carolina. The, the plans had been going on for that long. Um, but different things kept happening to prevent us from moving. And then the lockdown happened and we were like, F this. We literally in the housing market down here is insane. And it's somehow gotten even worse. So we couldn't even get appointments to like see rentals. So what we what we literally did is we finally got an appointment for someone. And we, <laughs> I still remember the next day was my father-in-law's birthday. So we still went to his house for his birthday, but we left at 10 o'clock at night and we drove all the way down with like, a, we stopped in Virginia for a four hour nap. We got down. I was like making appointments on apps along the way. We saw six properties or like apartments, rentals, whatever, and then drove back the same day without stopping because at the same time, they announced that there was going to be a new rule in Massachusetts starting a couple days later that if you left the state, you had to get government permission to come back. <laughs> and oh then God. you had to quarantine and do all this paperwork and get tested. And if you didn't, then it was a $500 fine per day per person. <laughs> so we were in a race against the clock to get back before that went into effect because we were worried about, you know, tracking cell phones and things like that. Cause I have a friend that's a trucker and they were doing that in Utah. We're like, if you, if you crossed Utah state lines, you'd get a text on your phone that was like, Hey, you need to fill out this form. So I did not put that past Massachusetts. Oh my God. Um, and then while all that happened, there was like this big storm that dropped a tree on our house and like broke the roof and all of these horrible things. And we just left it and filled up a pod and dipped. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> so, so I guess the answer is yes, you were, you were fleeing because of the tyrannical yes. laws of where you're coming from. And then we got here and there were people walking around talking to each other and eating indoors. And I swear to God, we walked into a Target and I, I started crying. <laughs> Just because you saw faces for the first time in a year? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in San Diego, uh, I mean, fortunately, I have a volleyball community that doesn't wear masks. But I'm telling you, everywhere else you go, stores, restaurants, it is... 100% of the people have them on and the businesses require it. So it's like, yeah. it's just a disaster. I am, I'm personally planning to do an RV trip across the country, including Freedom Fest and, and then figuring out where I go next, but I'm in escrow to sell my property. Um, so did you guys end up renting or buying? Uh, we rented and we just broke our lease to close on a house on uh, Wednesday. Oh, so wow. This past Wednesday. Yeah. Well, that, that, that all changed quickly. Yes. Well, I, I, I guess I'll ask you your opinion since you guys obviously took the plunge into homeownership. Um, I, I don't want to depress you, so I won't talk about it too long, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm a mortgage broker. I'm, I'm very concerned with the, you know, rapidly increasing price levels. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I have no doubt that you see the same signs I do. What, what compelled you to go ahead with the purchase as opposed to just running and seeing how things pan out? Well, um, so, okay. So on, on the one hand we did, well, I didn't, my husband owned a house in uh, <laughs> Massachusetts cause he bought it. He bought it before, um, we were married and we were kind of like the, the reason we stayed there so long is cause we were watching the market and we were hoping to time it where we could sell his house right before the bubble of like the subprime mortgages and stuff that they're yes. doing all over again so that we could buy here really cheap. But the prices just kept going up and up and up. Um, also, we want to start a family and we need lots of bedrooms for it. And lots of bedrooms. How many kids we have? <laughs> <laughs> I want three. He's like, it. he's like, well, let's do two and then see what happens. <laughs> That's how um, it always goes. <laughs> but so that, and then also, um, you know, with the way the world is going, uh, we are, hmm, 
what what can how can I say this to not get you in trouble? We oh, are geez. afraid. We we are afraid of the big luau coming at some point. So we we want land. We want like we have a the house we got's got dormers. So there's like you know places that we can sit and watch. And we just want to be able to like hunker down on a bunch of land and be left alone and like have a generator, maybe some solar panels, and just like have a place to be if I love if it. we need. Um, Makes sense to me. So, yeah. yeah, and if it's if it's a place you're going to be long term, it's probably not so bad. I, I mean, my my thesis is that we are going to have a deflationary collapse prior Excellent. to the prior to the death of the you know fiat currency globally. So if you're going to be there long term, it's really not that big of a deal, especially if you're borrowing you know super cheap money. Um, but for for other people out there, I've been advising if you if you have the patience, if you're not starting a family, if you're not looking for a bug out spot for. Um, the big igloo, <laughs> then, then, uh, you know, it, patience may, may pay off, but I totally understand everyone's got different situations, which is why I wanted to ask. Cause, uh, mm -hmm. you had mentioned that you were going to buy something. So, well, I mean, and oddly enough, um, it, with, with this, like this particular spot, like apparently South Carolina is one of the states that the most people are fleeing to right now. It's like uh, Florida, Texas, and South Carolina. So, I mean, there's like developments and things going up all over the place. So the value of land is going up, but this property, I mean, it, it didn't, it went up, but it didn't double, triple, quadruple the way a lot of other ones are. So we're like, all right, you know, it's just like, it's, it's sitting steady. So hopefully the crash won't um, kill us too badly. Yeah. No kidding. Well, I'm building six houses right now, so I'm I'm not practicing what I preach, but I am trying to sell them all before this whole shit explodes. So, mm -hmm. uh, very nerve wracking. Anyways, um, so I, I haven't. Uh, by the way, for those that don't know, Miss Doll here, she is, in my opinion, you should be like the next Connie Chung. Why are you not a newscaster? That's what I want to know first off. Uh, well, so at this point, that would kind of be like living the dream. People are like, oh, you could be like, you know, uh, you, you could be like a female Ben Shapiro or Tucker Carlson or Crowder or any of those. And I'm like, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, I, I think there's a couple things. Number one, I wasn't doing any of this full time until September. And even actually, um, at that point, I still had a, a bunch of clients. I have like five or six now, so I wasn't even doing it full time then, but, um, I was a guest on Tom Woods's show at mm -hmm. one point and, you know, before and after when we were chatting, he's like, why aren't you doing this full time? You should be doing this full time. And then, so I sort of used this to like catapult myself to there, but then at the same time, um, COVID happened. And for some reason, YouTube has been throttling me very, very much since COVID. Um, I can't imagine why. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that kind of put a speed bump for you? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, and I'm sort of at that point where I kind of mentioned to you beforehand, like I am by myself. I am a one woman team. I research, I write, I film, I edit I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So it takes longer than it should. And I'm kind of at that stage where like, I need someone to help me if I'm going to try to make things better. Well, um, I have a, I have a pretty decent sized audience. So I wouldn't be surprised if you get a DM after this was an offer. Cause, um, you know, I, I just had Dave Smith on last week. I'll be on part of the problem next week. So we've we've got some we've got some fans that might help you out. So uh, <laughs> and if if I can't get your fans to assist, I'm sure you can find some on your own show. So uh, by the way, your your editing is phenomenal. How, how'd you learn how to do that? Um, Self taught. Yeah, pushing buttons and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it comes out amazing at the end. So um, I. Thank you. I'm sorry Thank that you. I'm sorry that it's so taxing to being such a perfectionist, but the end product is worthwhile. I genuinely, uh, you know, I think that anyone that's listening to this, please go check out her YouTube channel and and you know, just peruse it for a while. You will I be appreciate that. Very impressed. I'm serious. <laughs> I, I when I watched it, I, my first thought wasn't having you be you know Ben Shapiro, but more along the lines of Tucker Carlson. Like I would like to see you on mainstream. Uh, news just simply because we need more voices that, that well, and I can do the system. eyebrow thing that he does. Yes, you can. <laughs> I just love him for his facial expressions. Oh, he's amazing. Wait, wait, I'll, I'll do my impersonation. I'll sit there. <laughs> sit there with the mouth slightly agape and the eyebrows lifted, like you can't believe. Uh, wait, what's see, being said. I could do that. I could totally nail that. I, I totally agree. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
but anyways, I, I, I hope that, uh, that someone reaches out to you and pursues that, that line. So I, I haven't, uh, obviously I haven't followed you for, you know, since your beginning. So I'm curious, have you, have you covered, I'm sure you did, but what was your take on the election outcome? And, and did you find, well, I'll just give you my, my brief, uh, recap of what I feel about all this is, is that mm-hmm. I, I'm not at all convinced that the election was legitimate, uh, but I'm also not convinced that it was, you know, actually stolen. Like I think mm-hmm. there, there's pretty clear evidence that there was fraud, but I'm, I don't, I haven't personally seen enough evidence to have a de- definitive take uh, one way or the other. Uh, first off, I don't really care about democracy anyways, as an ANCAP, it doesn't really matter to me, but uh, if we're going to pretend that we exist in a democracy, I would certainly prefer it to be legitimate. Uh, what, right. what was your conclusion after all of the shenanigans? Well, um, so I, I, I came to a similar conclusion. Uh, I do absolutely believe that there was fraud and uh, for a couple of reasons beyond that. I mean, there's fraud in every election. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Um, the, the first element being just, you know, I was sitting up at night and I was like watching the results and first off let me just say that it it is awful to be in a position of not being part of the two-party system but constantly feeling like you actually need to defend trump i know right oh (laughs) and and even just wanting him to to win uh because kamala harris is effing terrifying i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on your show you, you are please okay she's fucking terrifying i thought that hillary clinton was terrifying dude harris oh my fucking god she terrifies me and the fact that she you know you know that she's back there pulling some of the strings on biden because i mean the poor man like let's be real he's got dementia there something ain't right but then she also didn't know about the the military strikes he did I don't know. That's just, that's creepy to me. But anyways, <laughs> so I'm like sitting there watching and I'm like looking, I'm clicking on all these states and they're showing like majority red and, you know, Trump is ahead by 10%, 20%, 30% in some areas, but then it's being called for Joe Biden. Right. And I'm like, what? And I even took screenshots of it. Cause I was like sending it to, to my friends. And I'm like, am I like reading this right? So that, that, Certainly, but I always go back and I've told this story on my show a few times now, but in um, 2012, well, for the election of 2012, um, huge Ron Paul supporter, Ron Paul revolution. And, you know, I went to some of his speeches. I went to my local caucus and I will never forget going to my local caucus. We, We go to walk in. And there are Mitt Romney's people standing at the door with pre-filled out ballots for Mitt Romney delegates. And there's also this buffet spread for Mitt Romney and Mitt Romney delegates. And I had several friends that also went to Ron Paul caucuses in their districts. And like some of them got like Mitt Romney waffles, Mitt Romney pancakes. We only got Mitt Romney bagels, but still we had Mitt Romney bagels and pre-filled out ballots. And they were handing them to people as they walked in and said, here, you need this to vote this pre-filled out ballot. And there was a bunch of people that were like, what the fuck? I don't want to vote for any of these people. And they were like, to- they were told, no, 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 you need this. This is how you're voting today. Um, there were some of us that did manage to like get some blank ones. But then, so what they did is, you know, we all sit, we, we listen to the delegates talk, we cast our votes, they're up on the stage and they're pulling out the ballots and counting the votes. And then they started seeing that there was a bunch for Ron Paul's people. So they actually changed the rules on the spot and said any ballot that had Mitt Romney people crossed out or had anything handwritten didn't count. And they were literally sitting there throwing away ballots and throwing away votes. And I mean, it was crazy. There was this huge uproar. There were people yelling, screaming. I thought there was going to be a fight. There was some guy with a camera and I still don't know what happened to that footage because I never saw anything about it ever again. But I will never forget that day. And because of that, (laughs) I am not convinced about any election, quite frankly. (laughs) No, that's, I mean, that has to be illegal, no? 
Oh, 100%. But I mean, then again, like, yeah, it's illegal, but so what? No, um, sure. We yeah. saw, you know, we saw that they weren't giving speaking time to Ron Paul. Um, we saw how they kept changing the rules last minute so that Gary Johnson couldn't be in the debates. They changed the rules to get Bernie Sanders out last minute. I mean, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> and and it's I'm in a tough position, as probably you are, in that you know, as an ANCAP, I don't care. I really don't care if we have a democratic system because I don't believe in the will of the majority. I think it's still, you know. Just mob rule. Yeah, it's mob rule. And, but if every everyone else that I talk to that isn't a crazy ANCAP like me still thinks that democracy matters and it's like, it's tough for me because I have to try and convince them that, well, I don't care about democracy. I still want you to understand that that this election was fraudulent to some extent. Right. And, and I, they're like, well, you don't even care about democracy. So why are you talking to me about this? I'm like, well, because my, my life is still affected by this shit. So I would like, I would like it to be legitimate. And I would like you guys to be up, you know, up in arms because your votes don't matter. Like, right. and that the whole I thing. Mean, I, I think what it comes down to is, is what I point out to some people, though, I try not to talk about politics much in my personal life. Cause I just get burned out from it. Me, me too. Yeah. And having to like explain some of these things to people. Um, but what I say is bottom line is the corporate media, despite that time piece, which some of my leftist friends have been dismissing as poor word choice. Um, so despite the time piece about the secret cabal that fortified, <laughs> quote unquote, the election and changed the rules and influenced public opinion, despite that, the left and the corporate media, legacy media folks keep saying up and down, up and down, this was the most secure election. This was the best election ever. There was no fraud. So if they are so certain that this election was 100% legitimate and they're saying that we need to make sure that all elections are legitimate going forward like why wouldn't you want to investigate these claims of fraud either a to fix the system or b prove them as false exactly yeah that that's been my my biggest gripe with all this is like whatever your opinion of the fraud claims are you should be very offended that they are poo-pooing them that they're mm -hmm. not that they're not really giving it a, a fair hearing, and even in the courts, they were thrown out. Uh, I forget what the term was, but essentially, they didn't they didn't get heard. And right, um, and then Stephen Crowder did an amazing job uh, driving around to uh, the parking lots. Yeah, to the parking <laughs> lots all all throughout. And I think it was Nevada, and and proving that you know there was at least hundreds of votes that didn't come from anyone that lived at a property that existed. And it's oh, like, I mean, I, I personally in, in Massachusetts before we moved, um, I got sent three different mail-in ballots mm -hmm. <laughs> under yeah. my maiden name, my married name and a combination. And that's something that I have fixed with the state a, a few times. But mm -hmm. I had a couple um, friends that are men, so they don't have married names and maiden names. And they got multiple ballots in the mail as well. And it's like, and and what do you what do you want to bet those multiple ballots are all being counted if you send them in? Oh, I'm sure they were because yeah. they they had called me for jury duty as well. <laughs> multiple <laughs> the times. Multiple names. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I hope that they uh, they counted your three votes for uh, Ron Paul being written in. Because <laughs> that's that's definitely what I would have done. Um, so you you mentioned about how you were being, uh, what's it called, deboosted or shadow banned or whatever on YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. Beyond, beyond that, have you, have you experienced any other, like, have you had suspensions or do you feel as if your, your, your time is short or, or are you, what, what's the vibe for you? Uh, that is a concern of mine. Um, especially seeing as, you know, now that I don't have so many clients and I'm living in South Carolina, I've gotten a little bit bolder as of late. Not all of those videos where I'm bolder have been released because there's also the curse of, okay, I'm going to record this video and then it takes me a week to edit it and then it's no longer relevant. <laughs> so it's that, like, that is oh, the downside okay. of being a perfectionist. It's like, all right, so just the people on like Patreon and Subscribestar get those, I guess. But yeah. um yeah, I've had a few 
strikes that actually ended up getting reversed um, for a few different reasons. There was a piece that I did where I pulled apart and criticized a New York Times op-ed that claimed that the uh, Believe All Women movement was started by right-wing trolls. And I pulled up the receipts of some of the original tweets that, you know, started the hashtag and showed how they, they were pretty big voices in like the feminist movement. Um, and I like compared dates and all this stuff and proved like, hey, no, this wasn't just like a right-wing ploy. First, that got hit with like, you know, demonetization, the little yellow money mark, and I appealed it. And the what came back was a human review accusing me of te- promoting terrorism and engaging in hate speech. Incredible. <laughs> Absolutely So that incredible. happened. Um, I, they tried to hit me with a strike for covering the debates because I was like live streaming the the debates and, you know, talking about the debates that got hit with like a copyright claim. And I was like, really? And it was a C-SPAN stream. So I like shot back with their license of how they say it's, you know, public use and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then recently they hit me for um there was one of my live streams and i still don't know what the offending statement supposedly was because it was like a two-month-old live stream where they gave me a community strike because they said that i was inciting violence and promoting criminal organizations and I got mad and I fired back to, to YouTube on the appeal form. And I said, well, um, I don't remember doing that. So I would really appreciate if you could come back with a timestamp and a direct quote reversed in 10 minutes. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and there's been a few different things like that, that I've appealed and I've even complained on, um, on Twitter with, you know, getting responses from YouTube where I'm like, Hey, you said that I did this, but it's in the community guidelines that that's okay. And like, most of the time I don't even get a response. Wow. Well, that's, that's disappointing. Cause I, I just started my YouTube two months ago. So I'm, I'm fresh as a daisy and, and also <laughs> very, very aggressive. So there's like basically no chance that I survive on YouTube. So I'm curious what, Oh, go ahead. They, they didn't really bother me much until I hit 100,000 subs. And then like all this stuff started happening. And every time I got a video that sort of would like take off and start getting a lot of views. Um, I have one video that has over a million views at this point, which is amazing and crazy to me. <laughs> Um, and then after that happened, then, then all these little like reports and flags started coming in and they like restricted some of my content saying that it wasn't appropriate for children, even though I have my whole channel marked as like not made for kids and all these little things. So I think that there's like this weird, like, I think if you have like under 5,000, they think that you can, they can pick you off easily. But then like, if you hit a hundred thousand, like. I don't know. I guess I'm getting their attention, which kind of sucks because I'm not getting a ton of other people's attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sad to hear that because I think what you put out is really quality. But um, what what are you? What's your plan B? I mean, if if they come for you, have you already created alternate platforms to try and maintain um, low? Well, I I am on BitChute. I'm on BitChute. I'm on GunStreamer. I'm on Library. I'm on Odyssey. I recently started a Rumble. Um, But typically in, um, I do audio only versions of a lot of my videos and I, you know, it gets to Google and Stitcher and wherever else, SoundCloud. But so unfortunately what happens with me and yesterday is a great example. So yesterday, um, I wrote up my daily video. I recorded my daily video. I'm trying to pack moving boxes. I still had some clients. I edit it. I get it out at nine o'clock at night. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I'll just post it on all the other places tomorrow. And then I forget until you ask me. And I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't do that. <laughs> well, that's a problem. 
We um, desperate we desperately need some sort of service that just uploads to all these platforms so we don't have to spend hours well, on it. That and I am a boomer stuck in a millennial body and I cannot figure out how to work most of these things. Like even <laughs> figuring out Twitter was crazy to me. Like it, even the easy te technology like Snapchat, I'm like, oh, I use it for the filters and then save it to my phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's very endearing. I I'm not going to lie. I am basically uh, a boomer and a millennial buddy as well. So I feel your pain. <laughs> oh, good. One of us. One of us. <laughs> the only reason I'm good at Twitter is because I've dedicated my life to it for the past two years. But um, <laughs> before that, I had no clue what I was doing. And I just kind of stumbled on there, scared to, scared to death as to the, uh, the political climate in this country, the social discord, the unrest, <laughs> everything that was transpiring. And then when the lockdowns happened, I, I essentially retired from my my mortgage business, which I owned as well, and and decided to make this kind of my outlet and I didn't expect it to become a career, uh, but it looks like it might be. So this is uh, kind of a similar path to you, just a few years behind it sounds like. What what inspired you to, uh, to get started in the first place? Oh goodness. Well, um, what inspired me to get started in the beginning was honestly um, learning about Ron Paul and um, you know, he, he's everybody's Liberty grandpa. That's what I'm saying. That's why the libertarians, the libertarians <laughs> that so hate him. He's so cute. He's so adorable. I love him. The libertarians that, that hate him, I, I really have a problem with. I'm like, I do not understand <clears throat> Nicholas it. Nicholas Sarwark. <clears throat> hey, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I found out about Ron Paul and as growing up in Massachusetts, I was, I was a, I was a hardcore leftist. I was a feminist. <clears throat> Um, <laughs> no one's born perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I even, you know, I was like a, a punk and I had like the spiked jackets and everything, but I had like a patch on the arm that said, this is what a feminist looks like. It was disgusting. <laughs> um, I hate how social justice warriors have like co-opted the mohawk and the multicolored hair. But anyways, <laughs> so I found out about Ron Paul and I did this really fast shift where first I was like, okay, then I was, I was conservative. And then I was like a constitutionalist and then I was a big L libertarian and then I was a small L libertarian we all know what happens after that um <laughs> we don't talk about that publicly oh okay I didn't know that, that 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 could hurt my Fox News chances or wherever <laughs> all right fair fair I won't, uh, that and was my are, next question so good job there, cutting there, me off there are a lot of there are a lot of police officers that watch my channel for some reason I don't know what they're doing there but uh, they're there um <laughs> so anyway so I I started going down this rabbit hole and I had the moment that I think that we've all had where we're like, you know, it's uh, it, it's like, you know, 2010, 2011, and we're listening to Alex Jones before he went full crazy and was talking about the gay frogs. And we're like, <laughs> oh my God, how do people not know this? People need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I spammed it all over Facebook and that did not make people happy. <laughs> people were actually very upset and I was accused of all kinds of things. I lost a lot of friends. Um, it was also when I met my husband and he was the one that was like, here, read Ron Paul. So I was accused of like doing it to get the D and all <laughs> kinds of things. And so I was like, you know what? I need to start a dedicated Facebook page away from the people that know me in real life so they stop hating me. Um, so I did that. And then like, I've always wanted to write. Um, I love writing. I was told my whole life that you can never make a career with writing. So I was like, you know what? I'll start a blog. So then I started writing um, basically my videos, but like written. Sure. Um, so my videos now are basically me making those same like single space, like research essays and then spinning them at a camera. Um, so I started making a blog and that uh, took off decently well, like better than I thought it would. But then I started getting these messages from folks and they were like, you know what? I really don't like to read. <laughs> and I would prefer if you made videos. And I never thought that I would ever have enough to say to make videos with any regularity. And yet here I am. And Doing that's sort of, <laughs> it, uh, that's kind of how it took off. Interesting. Well, I, I was, I mean, obviously a different path, but I, I just feel like 2020, if you were a libertarian before 2020, you became an engaged 
fiery, ready to rock libertarian, you know, after 2020. Mm -hmm. And, and that was, that was my inspiration. I was just like, all right, this is, this is so dire. And the LP really, really what got me fired up was that the LP LP failed us deeply. They didn't say anything about the lockdowns hardly. And then they, they ran a candidate who didn't make it a focal point. I was like, this is the most egregious infringement of our rights in my lifetime. And, and the, the party that represents that ethos that belief system was just like yeah we sh- probably shouldn't lock down but like you should still wear a mask and like blah blah, blah. Yeah. i'm like yo this is i need some fire from you folks come on that was tough because um i really like spike and i, do too. I really I do too. you know i really like joe as a person um i actually did an interview with her and she was so kind like girl gave me her personal cell phone number because we had an issue with like the tech or whatever. And she was like, Oh, well you have this other meeting. So go do that. And like, call me when you're done and then we can do it. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> she was so nice. I, um, I think I agree. And I actually do like her. And I think that her politics are good. She's just, she was not the person for the moment. We needed no, someone who was fire. Like that fire. Exactly. The word I was yeah. going to use. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know what? At the same time, this really crazy thing happened. And you can't talk about this in a lot of places, but I noticed there was a lot of people in my news feeds and my friends list in the Liberty community that suddenly did like a 180 and were like, you just need to wear a mask and you just need to stay in your house and you just need to do what the government tells you. And I was like... Who are you? What just <laughs> happened? And it kind of freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. So um, even among the Liberty community, there were sort of these uh, things that you couldn't talk about. Um, and that's not know, the Liberty was, community to me. Yeah, it's uh, it was just a very, very strange time. And, and there were some things, you know, I didn't agree with anything that was going on, quite frankly. I, you know, I was on board for like the first two weeks. I think like everyone kind of was well, not really on board, but I was like, huh, well, I don't know what's happening. So, <laughs> yeah, like and, you know, Massachusetts locked down for the Boston bomber like they're they're going to lock down over a virus, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was kind of like, all right, you know, we'll sit this out for like two weeks while we figure out what's going on. But after that, and I was like seeing the things that were happening in Massachusetts where like people were calling the cops on like kids outside alone, not wearing a mask or people walking their dog without a mask and all these horrible things. Um, but there were certain people that I couldn't talk about it with because they were like, you know, I know that we don't like government, but this time government is right. And I was like, what are you doing? So sad, man. It was very distressing. Yeah, it is. And and the thing is like, I was probably in the same boat as you. And, and in fact, because I'm, you know, perpetually online, when I was watching those videos come out of Italy three, four weeks, maybe even six weeks before we had our first two week lockdown, I was concerned because I was like, this looks really bad. And I'm looking at the hospital figures and I'm looking at China videos. I'm looking at Iranian videos. I'm like, all right, this is all very concerning. The government's downplaying it. This might mm-hmm. be a really big deal. And then I take voluntarily, I start to stay home. I start to wear a mask. I start doing all these things that you would expect someone who you know, values their life to do. Mm-hmm. I, I did that. And then when the government mandated it for two weeks, I was like, I don't agree with this being mandated, but I'll put up with the two weeks. But I also warned everyone I could possibly find that this is not going to be just two weeks. So like, yep. do not do this gleefully. Make it very fucking clear that after two weeks, we go back to regular oh, yeah. life. And no, uh, here we are mm-hmm. a year later. You yep. know, may- Maybe by July, we get to have a hot dog fucking stoked. <laughs> so funny story uh, all, covid was my introduction to um sticks i don't know if you've ever watched him sticks sticks hex and hammer and he was oh, yeah. doing like daily he does daily videos and i envy him so much because like dude just sits in front of his camera and half the time doesn't even have a shirt on and just like <laughs> rants something and then is like peace out and turns <laughs> off the camera and that's it i wish that i could do that i cannot <laughs> And my, my, my brain parts don't keep up with my mouth parts and it just doesn't work out. Um, 
he was doing daily videos and he was talking about, you know, China and Italy and Spain and the numbers that were going on there. And this was in like January, early February. You know what I did? I drove out to Market Basket and I filled up my shopping cart with meat to freeze and non-perishables, canned foods, granola bars, all of these things. And I just like, oh man, I went nuts. I went out and I saw that they were going crazy about toilet paper out there because there was some issue with like the pulp plants in China or something. So I got a pack of toilet paper. I got a pack of paper towels. I got my cleaning supplies and I'm like sitting there (laughs) at checkout and it's this little old lady and she's checking me out. And she's like, wow, are you getting ready for something, dearie? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> nothing's going on. Because <laughs> I, I was going to go back and get more. <laughs> I love it. I think, I think we might be the same person. So <laughs> I, I, about two weeks before the lockdown, I do my, my binge shopping spree. I load up my, I have a garage fridge. I load everything up. I'm ready to rock. And then during the first week of lockdown, while everyone is panic about, panicking about food, I'm out buying my first gun. And then uh, <laughs> during the next week, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's the thing that comes next? Well, we're going to have financial collapse because of the lockdowns. So I go out and I buy a shitload of physical silver. And then silver, silver prices a month later spike like crazy. I'm like, yep. I, am, I am literally a fortune teller. Like I'm like, everything I do is happening like exactly 30 days after I do it. So it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty satisfying that my, my brain is very well tuned for crisis Mm -hmm. behavior. We (laughs) basically did the same thing, except we already had the guns and (laughs) with all, and then it got to the point with like the riots and everything. And we lived to next to a really unsavory part of Massachusetts. Um, There's even a YouTube show a little bit about it. Brockton, Massachusetts. And my husband grew up there. And it's, um, uh, if you look at like the neighborhood scout crime indexes, they mark it similarly to Chicago. Wow. And I mean, parts of it of Brockton are basically a third world country. Anyone from South Shore of Mass will tell you. And um, is it just is it overrun with drug addiction or what is the issue? Oh, drugs, crime, tons of gang violence. Half the stuff there doesn't even get reported. Um, wow. Yeah, and it's it's you know kind of thing as like you know we witnessed a car accident once, and everyone that was around just turned and went the other direction and flew out because no one wanted to be around when the cops got there because you just don't you know. Wow. There was some stuff that was probably going to go down. Um, you know, it, tons of heroin, tons of crack, fentanyl, like all kinds of crazy stuff. It's uh, it's a shithole, and <laughs> you know with that. You know, we were worried about like, okay, what are gonna people, what are people gonna do when they don't have food? Because they were rationing at the grocery stores and stuff like that. And then you had like the riots coming through. Like we were hiding rifles in different parts of our house and like sleeping with it under the bed, like in case we had to start, you know, popping off through the windows or something. Yep. Um, and luckily, like nothing, nothing happened to us, but there were some big crime spikes. Um the the town that we were in didn't particularly have a lot of murders though for some reason people really liked to dump bodies there um but there started being murders and stuff like that and it just um you know it was funny because there was actually a guy that lived around the corner and he recognized me from being out walking my dog like years ago and like he was messaging me and he was like hey you know just remember if anything pops off like i'm just around the corner like we were freaked out mm-hmm. um so but i mean yeah we did the food we did the silver we were getting like ale where we could um yeah the only, it was... the only thing i really blew was i didn't dive headfirst into bitcoin in, in march like i should have yeah, we didn't either. But what we did do is we used our our Trump stimmy checks to, and we bought everything that was in the stock market that was like seventy five percent off. Hey, there you go. That wasn't <laughs> bad. That wasn't bad thinking. Yeah, I should have bought ammo. I should have bought Bitcoin. Like I did not realize that we would have such an unbelievable dearth of ammo available. Oh so oh, I know it's horrible. Prices are up like ten x. It's crazy. Oh God, yeah. We bought <laughs> we. I bought a box of nine millimeter the other day, and it was like almost a dollar around. It's yeah. like oh. <laughs> I remember when this box was like 30 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when you look at, at the, the Capitol, still surrounded by armed guards, 
do you do you come away with the same conclusion I do that that perhaps January 6th wasn't in fact a coup, but we are witnessing it today? Because it sure feels a hell of a lot more like a coup to me today than it did on January. Well, 6th. I mean, it's it's interesting that we have um, this state capital. I'm sorry, the the capital of the the country, right. and um, there's armed troops hanging out, and and Nancy Pelosi was talking about wanting crew manned machine guns for the inauguration, and there's you know barbed wire and razor wire and all of this stuff, and no one's really allowed in or out, and it's it's funny that that's what they're doing to try to stop a dictator from taking power. <laughs> A guy who's out of power, by the way, and we yeah. still have we still have armed guards there. Nothing to see here. I, I mean, it's horrifying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, I, I really, it makes me wonder if the American people still have a line. And and I've asked, I asked Dave this, I've asked Pete Quinones this, I'll ask you this. Do you think we have a line? Do you think there, there's a line at which people say, okay, this tyranny is actually unbearable. We are going to do something about it. Well. I will say yes and no, because that really depends on um, which side of the metaphorical fence you're on. Um, So if you talk to a leftist from Massachusetts, they're going to be like, this is awesome. This is Candyland utopia. I can breathe again. And and Joe Biden is the new messiah. Um, And yet, you know, here in South Carolina, there was a doctor that was talking to me the other day about how like, we hate government here. And um, they never did a lockdown here. They never even did like a full mask mandate. It was like county by county. And it was for like government buildings, like grocery stores and pharmacies or something. And even with that, um, we were here for like a month and we're driving down the highway and there's people collecting on the overpasses, hanging signs that said um, COVID 19 is here to stay but our rights are already gone that's pretty fair assessment. um and you know here i guess like uh antifa tried to roll through and the mayor the little mayor of the next town over took out his shotgun and said fuck around and find out <laughs> so i think it really depends on where you live and sounds what's... like i need to move there <laughs> oh my god it's amazing here um so I think it really depends on where you live and what your basic political philosophy is, because, you know, I have friends that are on the left, varying degrees of, of left. And unfortunately, this crap always comes up after we play D&D on Fridays. <laughs> um, and they'll start asking me all these questions. Well, how can you believe this? And how can you think that? And why do you think this is wrong? And I, I basically have come to the point where I say to them, like, look, like we come from to such like opposing political frameworks that you're never going to really understand my point of view because I'm not on like the left to right spectrum. I'm like way over here in some other land, you know, with a a totally different framework. And as long as you're thinking of things in this like false dichotomy, you're never going to get where I'm coming from. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it really de- comes down to uh, people's political philosophy. Um, I do find it interesting that more people than ever are, when polled, are thinking that a peaceful divorce is necessary. Um, there was a poll that was recently done by a group called, I think, Bright Line something, and they polled a bunch of voters, uh, Democrats, Republicans, and independents in different areas and said like, hey, would you support breaking the country down into five different and independent regions? And surprisingly, almost like 50% of Democrats in like Washington and Oregon and California said yes. I love it. So um, in similar numbers in Massachusetts, the New England Democrats, um, it was like something like 37% or something uh, agreed. Um, So I think that there's a lot more people that are kind of saying like, hey, you know, we just can't get along with each other anymore. So maybe we shouldn't be forced to. I I have to agree. And I I think you just brought a tear to Michael Malice's eye. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we started off with me asking uh, what keeps you optimistic? And we finished with you finally giving me a reason to be optimistic. So that was perfect. Oh, yay. 
Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and you finally gave your reason. I can no, be pretty long-winded sometimes. No, no, so. no, no. I'm saying, I say, it really did. It, it, I think that's the biggest reason to be optimistic is that, it, particularly if it's a peaceful divorce, like it doesn't have to be violent inherently. Like it's if we allow the government to dictate the terms of the separation, then yes, it likely will be violent. But if we if we basically can unify in our unify in our disagreement with each other, you know, mm-hmm. accept the fact that they're that we really do speak two different languages almost and that you know you look for government solutions and i look for for you know stateless solutions and just let us go our separate ways please right. i don't want to fight you you're my friend right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it sounds like you're, you're a big advocate for voting with your feet and and let's hope that we see more of that um anyways thank you so much for coming on you can follow her on twitter at the liberty doll and youtube liberty doll anything yep. else you'd like to mention to people um, you can find me on all those alt tech platforms that I don't always remember to post to, but, uh, BitChute, Library, and Odyssey, they actually all get uploaded automatically and usually pretty instantaneously, which is pretty cool. So, um, you can definitely check those out. Um, yeah, I guess that's the major stuff. Facebook, Instagram, anything else? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. I'm I'm in all of the places. It doesn't mean that I know how to use all of the places, <laughs> but I'm on all of the places. I even had a parlor for a little while, and I don't know what's going on with that. Well, you're on a watch list now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been on a watch list for several years. I, I actually get really freaked out about that sometimes because I saw like a Blair White video where she was like, oh my God, like the FBI showed up at my door and I was like, oh. Oh shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> hey, if you're if you're a libertarian commentator of any uh stripe and you don't get a, a knock on your door at some point, you're not really pushing the line. So <laughs> we <laughs> let's let's hope it doesn't happen. But anyways, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was a bless. Well, thank you for having me on. All right, guys. This is crazy, but here's the lineup. Okay, you ready? Brace yourself. Tighten your keister. Got David Gornowski tomorrow. Tomorrow night, Carrie Wedler. Then I have a debate on, I believe it's called Break the Cycle with Lev. And then that's on Thursday. Then the following week on Monday, I'm going to have Rolo and Car Camp it to come on and talk about Bitcoin. That will be very educational. Then I'm on Reed Coverdale's show. Also, uh, that's next Tuesday. And then that morning, I have Hannah Cox coming on. Then the following day, Wednesday, I have Scott Horton. And then the following week, I have Vin Armani. And then I have... Uh, starting into the next month, I have P. Quinones, Olivia, Maggie, Hannah Griff. Oh, oh, did I mention Mark Changizi? Oh, did I mention Hotep Jesus? And then on the 12th, Ricky Dale Harrington Jr. What the hell's going on? I don't know what's going on. This is, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. If I can't get you to subscribe, what am I doing? Subscribe. Go to the YouTube too. Please, because I have way more listeners on this podcast than I do on YouTube because I just started the YouTube and I'm pushing a thousand already over there. So if you guys could help me out and subscribe that, I'd appreciate it. And if you really want to support the show, obviously sharing the episode is all you really need to do. But if you want to go above and beyond and just like let your fucking leftist neighbors know that they suck, then check out teespring.com backslash liberty dash lockdown dash podcast. It is my merch and it's really cool. My homie Top Lobster came up with a killer design, which is essentially the Statue of Liberty uh, turned backwards, and you can see that she is handcuffed, and uh, it's just great. And it says Liberty Lockdown, and it's got little tiny guns in the front, and it's just dope. I just ordered like five of them for myself, and they're really cool. So I hope you guys can uh, can help me out with that. Like I've said a million times, I'm really not trying to make money off this, but I get a little bit of money, and more importantly, when you're stupid leftist neighbor or better yet your conservative grandfather sees you wearing it and he goes hey what's up with that you could be like yo you know how uh donald trump didn't keep us from getting locked in our fucking houses for a year yeah this guy was like screaming about it so you should really check him out and hopefully they will and then we can red pill the fuck out of nana and peepa anyways uh keep doing what you're doing folks i love you so much i will catch you tomorrow jesus christ this is getting intense Shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. World premiere.
Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood, lefties lyrical fappening A typo with Luke might bring the nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions and Liberty now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government, just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Allowable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be Air July Screaming in the mic and rip a 59 Miles Jure showed that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping ain't rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're right with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show.